Okay, so we're live. Welcome back to the Magic Minds podcast. I'm Matt Bork. Okay, so last week's interview, or what was it, two weeks ago, was with myself and Rose and Maeve. Yeah, it was fantastic. I love sitting down, as I've said a few times. It's great to sit down with those guys. Uh, what kind of feedback did I get from it? I got all really good feedback. People were delighted with it. People really liked it. People could connect with it. Uh, family members were you know, press like my little brother Kieran, and he was on to me for us. He loved it. You know, yet there was people that listened to it and there was parts in it that was just probably a little bit uncomfortable for them or what they perceived from you know, perception is reality but it's not fact, you know. But I can't kinda I can't judge that, you know, 'cause I some people overthink, you know, and, and I overthink but only about things that, that matter to me, you know. Uh would that be about my family or work, or stuff like that, I don't really overthink about people that I don't know, and what they think of me, uh, I couldn't give a fuck really, the only people I worry about is my family, and the people I work with, because they're things that are really important to me, are my best mates, so, I can understand, their point of view, so, uh, yeah, I could really understand that, but that's, look, there's always going to be that, when you do an interview like this, you know, not everyone's going to see it through your eyes, or your lenses, or whatever, or, or understand the way you're trying to say it, but it was all good, we had the chats about it, and all is good, so, uh, 99.9, uh, the feedback was deadly, and uh, there's one thing though, I would like to say, was like, I know I said in the interview, you know, uh, I have a great handle on my mental health, and I understand my triggers, and I'm the observer, you know, and I don't want to sound like I'm pontifying, uh, or I have it all sorted, because I absolutely don't, and that interview, just after it was released, I had three days or four days of fear and anxiety triggered by overthinking in relation to my family and, and my personal life. And I got into it, uh, a kind of a, a frenzy of overthinking. And that generally then brings me into fear and anxiety. I start looking at things through a, a negative and fearful prism. But again, I use the skills that I talked about in the interview. I, I'm observant of it. I don't feed into it. I mind myself. And I know after a couple of days that it will pass. It's nearly like <clears throat> being at sea. You're fucking bouncing around. All your mind is all unsteady. Uh, you're looking at things through, it, through a, a negative prism. But I know and I can't trust that fear. And I have to choose love over fear. And I keep saying that to me, myself. Choose love over fear. Choose love over fear. So although I might have come across in the interview that it's all rosy in the garden, I go into fear and anxiety pretty quick. But I'm observant of that and I know when it's coming up and I know how to get out of it. I know that it will pass. I always know it will pass. Where probably in, in years gone past, I used to fear that this was going to be permanent. I'll be stuck like this. I'll be a miserable fuck forever. But I know through all the work I did, the reading I did, the, the times that I spend with people on this podcast, you know, that it'll pass. Just like when I'm in good form, that passes too. You know, and I know we talk about positivity on the on the podcast. I don't really try staying positive all the time. I just understand that things are as they are, whether it be positive or negative, are just ambivalent. They're just normal. Nothing's going on, nothing good or bad. And that's just life. And that's something that uh, I've learned over the years. So that's that was my week. The podcast came out, all went great. And then I went into fear and anxiety. Uh, but then <clears throat> by Friday and Saturday... I come out but like I always do. So uh, yeah, I just wanted to share that with you in case you thought I, I, uh, I have it all sorted. Because people think when they listen to other people, think, oh, he has a so fucking sort. I wish I was like him or whatever. I know people have said that to me, Jay's, you really have a handle on things. I don't. It can all go diddies up. 
in a second, you know, just with a conversation with a family member, if, if I don't feel like it's secure and I'm worried about them, I can go into fear and anxiety. It's just, it's nearly like an automatic switch goes out my head, but I do know that'll come over. And if you're in the uh, same boat, you will too come over as well. Just once you just trust the process. Uh, so yeah, that is the, the crack. What else? Ah, I've got the camera sorted. Uh, this interview now with Richard Kelly. So the camera works, the sound works. I had him on the podcast before and the camera went halfway through. The mics didn't record. There was a problem with the mics, but Kev, the technical legend, sorted both out. So we're good to go. So I don't know, by the end of the week, I'm sure Intel or IBM beyond to me asked me to come and work with them because I'm such a technical uh, genius. <laughs> oh no, I'm a fucking absolute numpty when it comes to this stuff. I just, I don't know. There just seems, just something seems to fucking go wrong, even with this interview. Uh, there was difficulties before I started, but again, Kev, the superhero, uh, came to the rescue. So fair play to you, Kev. Right, enough of that. Carry on. On the interview today is Richard Kelly. He's a lecturer in Tala IT, where I studied. He was a second year when I was a, or he was a first year when I was a second year, and then he's gone and now he's an associate lecturer and he's a performance nutritionist with, with performance nutritionist with Munster Rugby, uh, strength and conditioning coach, uh, metabolic. He, he lectures metabolic uh, health, uh, biochemistry. He's a uh, strength condition coach himself uh, he loves it you know what do we cover on the podcast we cover that kind of stuff what he does in his uh, job day to day his own passions we talk about nutrition we talk about the monster um rugby setup the work that he does there we we cover kind of behavior changes in order to implement uh nutritional changes with people any kind of changes you have to look at the behavioral around and we had a good old chat about that we talked about calories in versus calories out uh strength conditioning uh all sorts of we didn't go too deep in anything and he's has says now that he'll come back onto the podcast with me as i'd love to have him back on where we will go more specific and we will go a lot deeper you know so it's lovely just to be able to sit down and have these conversations as i've said before i don't like to do an interview twice so i've done it already I lose, it loses something, but not with Richard. I sat down with him the second time, and it was like I hadn't sat down with him before. We just went over more stuff, different stuff, and we could have been there for hours. I had to pull it early because it was going into it an hour and 20-something minutes, so I wanted to, to wrap it up because I was very mindful of his time, you know, because he gave me his time the last time, this time now, so I didn't want to... Uh, go too far into it, you know, take up more of his time, so yeah, it was a fantastic interview, it was fantastic uh, knowledge that he shared, so hopefully that you will enjoy that, uh, as always, I'll thank Noel Riley from Rooney Graphics, also Jamie, that works on the, the photographs for the uh, for the podcast, for when we launch it, they do deadly work, we really appreciate it, if you need any kind of graphic design stuff, check out Rooney Graphics, they're on the website, but our detail, their details will be at the end of our show notes, in iTunes, we're on YouTube, we're on all the kind of podcast forums across the way. I, I know I've talked about, uh, I talked about uh, giving up the camera maybe, but no, I think we're going to stick with it. This is going actually all right. And as I said before, it, it was a form of quitting. And sometimes I do that when I, I get frustrated. I go, oh, fuck that. I'm going to give it up, you know. But no, we're going to stick with it. Uh, there was something else I wanted to say. What was that? Oh, uh, no, I totally forget. What was I going to say? gonna say something uh no so that's it look mind yourself 
look after your mental. Oh, I knew what I was going to say. I knew what I was going to say. I talked about the uh, the pot in the last podcast that I was going on to do yoga teacher training. Unfortunately, that's not going to happen. I was hoping to get funding through the job because I was going to implement. I do a lot of the work that I, a lot of the training I go on, a lot of the, the education that I do myself personally and the CPD that I do in the job, I, I can uh, put it into use in the job. So that's just going to do the yoga. I was going to part pay it, hoping they would part pay it. But they couldn't. It just didn't fit in with my my job description or the 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 competency. So they couldn't do it. Unfortunately, they've been really good to me over the years. They've supported anything I've I've did, and this was probably just a bit of a long shot. But my manager came back and said that wasn't going to happen. And I was a little bit disappointed because no one likes to hear the word no. You know, it's a, it's the little kid and it doesn't like to be hear to hear the word no. But I I understand from their point of view. And do you know what? It goes back to something that Charles J Jackson said to me. Uh, in one of the interviews, check it out, it's called uh, Black Angels, and he says to me, you know, advice his mother gave to him was, don't force life, and don't change for anybody, and this was something I probably was doing, I was forcing it, I haven't got an awful lot of yoga experience, I just love the whole being of yoga, and being in it, and all that kind of stuff, but realistically, I don't know if I have the experience to be a teacher, although I'm pretty okay with anatomy and physiology, <coughs> excuse me, I wasn't probably ready to be a yoga teacher and this is what the universe has done it's it said maybe you're not ready Matt you know and I, and I had to look at it like that uh, I mean that my weekends be still free for going there uh, working on my disco muscles and spend it with my kids and my family and my bro and his family so yeah that's so that's where we're at and I'm all right with it I trust the universe and I trust me my journey uh, so that's the crack right that's it that's all I've got to say so look enjoy this interview give us your feedback uh, share with family and friends and always 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 mind your little self be kind to you be compassionate be understanding and appreciate that you're an absolute awesome human being just like everyone else have a great day and check out this interview take care bye bye on the show today again for the second time is richard kelly how's it going richard very good man delighted to be back in uh, such short notice uh, <laughs> unforeseen circumstances like fucking that. disaster uh my technical uh, deficits have struck again. The last interview we done, uh, the sound was fucked up. The camera went bananas. It all went diddies up, didn't it? Yeah, we microwaves going off left, right, and centre. We we microwaves <laughs> going off. Am I all right to use this room? No. All right, sound and wax on the microwave. <laughs> what, a is what it is. Look what you're trying to do in a public place. I suppose we're we're opening that up, aren't we? Yeah, but look, the camera's going to work today. Kevin, the technical legend, sorted it out today, and he took it away. He said to me, turn off the Wi-Fi part. I thought he said, just disconnect it from my phone. So I've always been just disconnected from my phone, and it was only lasting an hour, like we did that day, or 40 minutes. But now what he meant was actually turn the Wi-Fi setting off on it. So he had him in his gaff, and it was gone for two hours. Oh. I've had it here, and he made a job. I had him in the job today, and it went for like two hours. So all those interviews I made at balls, that was actually my fault. <laughs> at least I'm consistent, what? Yeah, fair enough. Consistently bad. Consistently bad. Even today when I got home, I forgot the SD, the SD card and I rang Kevin and says, this thing, I have no card. He's like, bring out a, a eraser while you're sitting there. So I did and it says SD error. And he was like, the thing has never done that before. What did you do? And I said, I didn't do that. So to fly over to his job, he takes the phone out of the, the camera out of the box and just goes, it's grand. He pressed something. I fucking know he pressed something, but he says, no, it's grand. So, fucking disaster. Anyway, yeah, really, we're we here, we're back, we're ready to go. Waffle over. <laughs> Guys, I've asked uh, Richard to come on the show because Richard is a lecturer in Tala IT. He's a performance nutritionist, 
He's also with uh, the Munster rugby team. He's a handsome beard wearing axe throw motherfucker. Is that accurate? <laughs> that's very accurate. Yeah, fair. Like, uh, that's a very nice intro. Thanks so much. You're very welcome. You picked out of the boxes. <laughs> that sorts out your ego. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, as I say, I've asked uh, Rich to come on the show because he's a lecturer in talent and it's to do with his performance and nutrition. So I want to dig into some stuff there. But look, give us a little intro to your background of what got you into the whole sports science field. Yeah, cool. So um, I kind of, as I was, I grew up, I was kind of playing sports soccer with my main sport. Um, didn't really have a clue about you know the idea behind training outside of soccer training in terms of doing gym work or nutrition and that kind of stuff and then around 2010 I think it was I was studying I was studying a completely separate degree I was doing computer science and I started going to the gym with my buddies and we did a good summer of training and all of a sudden I went back to pre-season in soccer and I noticed like I was faster and I was jumping higher and the coach said it to me he was like geez you're after doing something like you look fit and stuff I was like maybe there's something to do with this going to the gym because it'll help my soccer performance so then I got thinking about was I actually happy doing the degree I was doing and is there actually a way to you know learn more about the training side of things that you can influence performance so I looked into different degrees and uh, I kind of saw sports science there in Tala and I applied for it and the next year I got in and uh, so that was what 2011 I started doing that so studied sports science and health in IT Tala uh, four-year degree throughout there I was really lucky to get in with certain lectures really accommodating in terms of you know here can I have it an opportunity to kind of shadow you uh, for external experience. So one of the guys I would have shadowed would be Marcus Shorthawk. So he was the biochemistry kind of nutrition lecturer that came in. He was new, he was quite young, so I kind of found him really relatable and um, he had a good sense of humour as well, which helps. Yeah, I had him for, I think, biochemistry, no, I had him for nutrition at once, or I think sports, I had him for one number. Biochemistry, he was absolutely, I'd say, I think. Which? I'd say biochemistry. Biochemistry, yeah. we had him for biochemistry. He was absolutely sound. Yeah. One of the best lecturers I've had yeah. now, you know, there with the jerk tolerance yeah but for me it was kind of one of the days he was talking about proteins and carbs and lipids and like in terms of biochemistry it was a bit like huh and he's like so if you want your gated players to eat x amount of carbohydrates for performance this is why and i was kind of like wait hang on that's that's why we're doing this that's interesting so mm -hmm. kind of asked him was there any opportunity to shadow he said no <laughs> and i asked him again he was like listen man honestly i've nothing i don't have nothing else uh, or nothing going on and then a while later he came up to me and was like I have something if you're interested and I jumped at it and that was my kind of first taste to nutrition and it was kind of just helping him out like he would interview clients his athletes and he let me sit in the room just to see how he interacted with them and uh, there was times where he did uh, skin folds and he let me be there I was just like inputting the data um, but like I still got experience with county teams and I got to kind of see the setup and see how things ran and then later on in his degree I think it was in third year um, I was just uh, I started to end up coaching like a ladies GAA team and that allowed me to kind of go right from scratch I've never coached a team before and I have to do a pre-season into a season so what the hell do I do so that was again the applied side of learning all this stuff in the classroom but you know now it's time to stand on a rainy field in January and show what you know and get a team fitter can you do that and then just around the same time I got approached by another lecturer saying he actually asked one of the guys in my class to help with the gym stuff for a group of hurlers and your man was busy with something else and he said suggested I go, I'd be in touch. So it was uh, a strange condition for uh, senior club hurlers in Dublin and uh, really good experience in terms of I'd, I'd show up to gym sessions twice a week. And uh, I think that was kind of a big test because on, on the phone he kind of said, you know, our first gym session is going to be next Thursday. We need you there at kind of 6am. 
And I was like, well, if I say hell to this, I'm gone. So, yeah, let's go. So I showed up, I think, half six, half six. And you're kind of like, is this going to be worth it? You don't know. And then it was a great season. Like, we got, I got to see, obviously, the gym stuff. And then in the second season, he was like, you helped me write the program. So it kind of helped me develop my, you know, ability to become an S&C coach in terms of writing programs and then seeing athletes do them. Yeah, that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, it was class. But that was all going on outside. I was still doing the degree. I was still third year, fourth year. had a thesis on my plate as well to do, and I got that done. And um, my thesis supervisor is still there in, in Tallinn now, Kieran Collins. He kind of... Good old KC. <laughs> the Dan. Would he listen to this? I, I fucking hope so. Do you know we've done a post at KC in the Sunshine Band? <laughs> And we put his picture and we put uh, a few other of them and we oh, made a post out because right. we had to build a post up or something. Okay, and we don't okay. KC in the Sunshine Band. Didn't go down like a ton of bricks actually. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, he kind of saw that I was interested in strength and conditioning and I've been doing stuff at Marcus, so I was interested in nutrition. So he was very good in terms of came up with a good project for final year uh, undergrad thesis that was kind of looking at fitness characteristics and, and body composition. So impact of the diet on players and how they change over the course of a season in an inter-county Gaelic team so that was quite novel in terms of no one had done that in GA before so I was getting into the research side of things mm-hmm. as well but after that I, I kind of decided I actually really wanted to go down the nutrition route and I applied and got into John Moore's in Liverpool to do a master's in nutrition over there so I spent a year over in Liverpool uh, with the likes of Graham Close and James Morton who'd be big in England rugby Graham actually used to be in Munster years ago and some of the boxers work with James Norton now as well, don't they? Yeah, yeah. So I think Rocky Fielding will be one of the lads. That's right, yeah. And, uh, uh, Jamie Moore's uh, team. I think Carol Frampton's actually. Yeah, Gary Matthews, yeah. yeah. Mate Marcus, I think, is looking after Carl Frampton because they're both from Belfast. So. Is he, yeah? Yeah, it's cool. So lot, there was loads of opportunities over there. And when I was over there, I got lucky enough to get a place from the, the Wasps, London Wasps. So they were my, kind of my first real stint into the nutritionist or applied nutritionist with the rugby athletes. Um, so that was huge like, to have a, a club like Wasps. I think it was really lucky and I was picking up what you're saying there that you identified what you wanted to do early because I know when I did my degree I, I had an idea that I didn't really want to go into sports performance or team nutrition. Mine was more around the education and training and teaching yeah. and identifying but I know from talking to other people in the years and in the class they didn't know what they wanted to do and then, and then just year after year they just bounced on but like, there was people in my year like me, like you had identified what they wanted to do, because you know yourself when you leave a sports science degree, you're not a, a you're not a butcher and you're not a beggar. You're, you're <laughs> yeah. a bit of everything. You're yeah. gonna have to specialize straight away. Is that true? Yeah, I'd say so. Like one of the, it's a double edged sword. I think the degree that we did is so it can be quite general. Mm. So it gives you a good base, like Brilliant. a really wide base, but you don't have super in depth. No. Like at the same time, you do four years of like psychology. You do a lot of anatomy. You do a lot of physiology. You do biochemistry, metabolism, even immunology and pharmacology, stuff that we, we might not necessarily use. Which are not specialists in it. Yeah, we've, but I think it's good that we've an awareness of it. Cause 100%. Because now for me, I'm in a multidisciplinary team with physios, S&C coaches, doctors, and it's kind of like, oh, we're talking about a certain injury and I'm kind of relying on what, you know, I'm kind of, I understand what, like, how ligaments operate and stuff like that. And I come in from the nutrition side of, okay, what nutrition can support ligaments? Hmm. And like the S&C coach will provide a training block for the guys and he, he just has to go oh, yeah we're looking at hypertrophy for rugby and kind of grand i know what that means you know there's no kind of right second guessing there it's, it, i think that's really good yeah um 
probably lend itself to the fact that I spent a lot of time doing X and C work and I, and I was actually in Liverpool I ended up working in the gym as well for a bit of cash PT and, and teaching classes so that kind of just got me another I kind of looked at it as a negative because I was spending time away from nutrition but one of the coaches over there sat me down and said man instead of you just having one tree with loads of leaves on it you've kind of planted two trees and kind of grown them at the same time so that's a nice way of putting it that's actually. a cool yeah. analogy yeah yeah so some really good guys over in Liverpool and then I think I left Liverpool shortly, yeah, I finished my master's and uh, I think I came back here and I got offered a job as a research assistant out in DCU, looking at kind of um, carbohydrates and proteins for recovery from exhaustive exercise. Actually, now that I say that, um, a study was published recently, I think it was this week. Is that the one with the uh, low the availability? Yeah, yeah, Seen the video and you've done the uh, the muscle biopsy. Yeah, yeah there yeah, you go. That was, that was three years ago. Was it? Yeah, so like that was March or April 2016 and it's been published like this week. So it's three years from that being studied. All that, that I was like the second last person to finish that, that study wow. as a participant. So my name's not on the paper, but my muscle samples are in there somewhere. <laughs> I've got the scars to show up for yeah, it as well. Like, yeah, so. yeah, DNA. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was my, when I talked about glycogen depletion, I came back. Yeah, I was looking at glycogen depletion in cyclists. Yeah. And if we feed a certain type of protein with carbohydrates, does that enhance recovery compared to another type of protein with carbohydrates, say? So different types of whey or a, a casein based or a, oh, a right. sodium caseinate. So. And what was the? Uh, I didn't finish the trial. No. No. <laughs> there was a disagreement. Oh, Jesus. Do you want to have a An artistic too? difference, was there? Yeah, potentially, you could say that. Go on, tell us the difference. So I was given I was given the job on the term that I'd be based in DCU in Dublin, so it meant I could kind of move back to Dublin and where I'm from. Yeah. And then over a couple of course of the months, they were like, we're actually going to change what we're going to do and we're going to need you to move to Limerick because it was UL that was funding and all. And UL were like, we need you to move to Limerick. And I was like, no, I don't, I don't really want to move to Limerick. And what is it, four months after I left the job, <laughs> Monster Rugby comes up and I fly and get it. So, where am I based now? In Limerick. <laughs> <laughs> ah, you're <Yeah>. schnell. <laughs> business is business, isn't it? Yeah, it's nothing personal. So, nothing personal. Yeah. So, it was around that time after that, and it was kind of over the summer. I was like, oh, the main man, KC, rang me for something completely different. I don't know what it was. And I was telling him, oh, I'm not on that project anymore. And he was like, oh, really? Yeah. We might have a couple of hours in terms of like, would you be able to help us out deliver on like biochemistry and, and uh, what was it, um, physical activity, metabolic health? It was the main one they needed someone to cover because the nutrition lecture and stuff had left. Right. Went full time at the IRQ. Who was the nutrition? Marcus. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, Marcus. Yeah. So he called me up and said, we need someone to look after kind of metabolism and health and a few other bits a couple of hours a week. Would you be interested? And I said, yeah. And then about. Four weeks into that, then the monster opportunity came up. Stuck my name on the hat, interviewed, and was lucky enough to get the job. So Perfect. everything I'd done up to that point obviously put me in a decent position that they thought, yeah, yeah. let's go with this. This is the guy. So. Deadly. Give us an insight to the the lectures that you do, uh, metabolic health, and what's the one you do biochemistry? Uh, this semester just gone, I did biochemistry in second year, functional biochemistry, so kind of looking at how we actually apply biochemistry to sport and exercise. Okay. So the age old question is why can't you sprint the marathon? That's the, the lead lecture is why can't you why can't you sprint physically sprint the marathon and we look at all the enzyme pathways and all the signaling pathways and all the fuel sources for sprinting compared to marathon running and what happens and why things shut off and why other things shut off. 
So the, the goal of that module basically is to show students, you know, the application of, so you did semester three, you did biochemistry in terms of your electrons and your charges and your, your Krebs cycle, and now it's actually, okay, the Krebs cycle in action, when and how it's kicked on and everything that goes with that. So that was like the biochemistry side of thing. And it'd be kind of in the nutrition pathway, so it should mm. feed into nutrition and should ultimately feed into fourth year where you do sport nutrition. Because I did, last semester was the first year we had a brand new sport and exercise nutrition module and I delivered on that. And I was going into like, you guys know the structure of proteins, yeah, and, and you know, you have to know, understand the structure of proteins to know how they function and how they're broken down and digested and how they work at the end and how they're absorbed. And to get into the body so how they can actually stimulate like stimulate muscular growth and hydration. So that's the kind of level of detail you want to get into. Yeah. Guys, yeah. And you have to, like I was kinda of you you guys did biochemistry and like we didn't learn it that way. But I was like so okay. It's all about applying it, isn't it, to yeah. get the hook. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I think the biggest thing is that I got feedback from students and uh I would have been in the same boat, I don't know about yourself, the previous my people in my class was kind of like they didn't I had that light bulb moment of oh that's what biochemistry is for not other people in my class either didn't have a, nu a nutrition interest at all so it didn't engage them and they just kind of went with it and other ones were kind of like I still don't know why we did that oh I, I, I remember going to biochemistry I had a double class I remember on the tours did and I'm always been sitting there listening to fucking Swahili I was, had all the fear I'm dumb I don't know what's going on here can't understand what they're talking about she was just going at it she was just throwing the information out I literally had to come home Watch lectures on, on YouTube, okay. get books out of Kevin Street, and just kind of do it all myself, get the exam papers and try to pass it. There wasn't really, and I'm not having a go at anyone, it's just the way my learning style was. I didn't apply it and I couldn't relate it to anything. But yeah, there, there wasn't a hook there, you know, and yeah. it didn't get me. It was just, it was thrown at you, it's just biochemistry, and that's just what it is. Yeah. Like it is, though, like some of the pathways and stuff is nigger really detailed, and there's. When I was going back over to give lectures and prepare the lectures, I was reading through books and papers, and I was like, "Jeez, I've forgotten loads of this." Oh yeah. So, so. I take me out after you teaching that. <laughs> I found it as kind of like a, a another form of kind of CPD, continual professional development, because yeah. I was spending six or seven hours a week reading. Why you? Just to prepare three hours worth of lectures, and that didn't even include the other hour or two that you know actually putting the stuff on the slides and making it look nice, and then knowing what you're gonna say when you go in for. So you double class, you've got you kind of have to speak for um, two hours nearly, and then Jesus. And then you've got all the questions to ask you on top. Did you got to know your shit? Yeah. Because if you see, if you see a week, yeah. they'll they'll hunt you down. Yeah. And to do yeah. I know. I, I've, I've sat around for a couple of them uh, killings. Uh, <laughs> what about the other one you were lecturing on the metabolic health? I love that. It's, yeah. it's one of a subject that I'm really fond of myself. Actually, I found that really when I when I studied it, I found it really interesting because it was so different. But when I look, when I think about it, and I teach it like it's like for the people that aren't going to go down the sports stream necessarily, like they're going to go down a health stream. It's fascinating. It's great. Model. Fascinating. I love it. But again, it probably should involve a bit more biochemistry because biochemistry can feed into metabolism. So like, what hormones are at play? So like for diabetes, insulin massive hormone so what happens from a biochemistry level that, that causes that to be secreted or not secreted yeah yeah it's all the insulin bro, bro. Gary Tobbs it's the insulin bro oh man poor Gary yeah I have one of his books up there somewhere uh, you can keep it there yeah um, I know I need to get some paper for the fur when I was born <laughs> I was a low carb advocate for a long time but I got pulled in by um 
with Dave Asprey, the Bulletproof Diet. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Ordering the coffee and bacon and all that stuff. And yeah, I tried all that. So look, I tried half the drugs in Dublin, so why not try the low-carb <laughs> diet as well? Someone's got to do it, I guess. Ah, look, I'm a product of the environment. That's a, getting away, I suppose, getting away. I'll go back to the topic of the elective stuff. Um, I was always a fan of, like, your man here is saying that if I put butter in my coffee and I eat bacon, I'm going to have improved. I'm gonna, this is going to happen. And this is what, and at the time in second year, like, I have a clue what's going on. Let's jump into this and see. So I tried it for a few weeks and I was like, I don't know if I had much of a difference or like, realistically, I can't be objective. Subjectively, I, I probably, yeah, I feel great. Looking back, I probably didn't feel great. I don't know. But again, I wasn't afraid to kind of, yeah, what's going on? Let's jump in and try this. So it was a, whether it was a training program or whether it was a nutrition thing. We didn't even try it and see what happens because you're only going to have an experience. Now, N equals one is always yeah. a bit, but like, you have an experience that you can, I can bump into you and you yeah, I tried that. Well, how did you yeah. get on? And I was like, I hated it. Yeah, me too. Or, yeah, I loved it. Oh, why did you love it? Why did you... Yeah, um, look, people bang on about low carb. I was on it for a long, long time. I felt like shite because I believed that my serotonin levels were low and then, like instant, you know, instant being really low affects that and all that because we understand the pathways and all that. So low carb didn't affect my mood, although other people would say it gave me clarity, it was this, it was that. It didn't work for me, yeah. although I believed in it, I thought, yeah, it's cool, there's some good health benefits to it. It didn't suit me. Yeah. Where I just, I'm stubborn, I just kept fighting, so I sure a little... At least you kept at it. But now I can say, yeah. it doesn't work for yeah, me. Yeah, you've got, you come out of your end, you've got that experience. But yeah, the module of metabolic health is actually interesting. So you look at kind of physical activity, or lack of physical activity, should we say, and its impact on people's health. So like two of the biggest predictors of how long someone would live would, would be their cardio, cardiovascular fitness and their lower body strength, their leg strength. So if you think about someone that's a bit older, like if they're fitter, it probably serves them well. They're actually willing to get up and walk around and do more. And I think the lower body strength thing is interesting because it reduces your risks of falls. So especially in, you know, 65 plus lower body strength, if you've got better balance, you're better able to stay upright, like stuff like that. Mm. Then we get into like disease states of, you know, Type 2 diabetes, it's kind of caused over years and years of excess calorie intake, excess carb intake, all that kind of stuff. So you get insulin resistance. So you have to look at all, it teaches students all the mechanisms behind that and some of the research as to why we think it's happening. And some, and then the focus of the module, I suppose, is the research around the interventions that can maybe prevent. And if it's not, if it's not prevention, it's kind of uh, reducing symptoms or hopefully reversing symptoms, maybe. Mm. And we look at the research around type 2 diabetes, we look, we look at certain types of cancers, we look at, uh, I'm going to try and put in like sarcopenia, because I think that's a big one, like muscle, muscle loss. Yeah, yeah, muscle loss, yeah, because does it go down 0.5 a year as you get over 30? Yeah, uh, I, I wouldn't know the exact figure, no. I've like, done a lot. Of... To the point, yeah, it, it starts declining after 30 minutes. Oh, then mm. we looked at um, uh, bone and, uh, and osteoporosis. Um, uh, uh, yeah, osteoporosis. Osteoporosis, sorry, yeah. So, yeah, we look at that as well, bone health and, you know, how to impact bone health and all the kind of factors that would strengthen bones and how to load bones to get them to. Yeah, and forever talking about this, you know, doing strength training for men, women, yeah. you know, if you're, if you're a woman and you haven't looked after your calcium, you know, up to a certain age, get doing strength exercise, you yeah. know, a few squats for press-ups, wall presses, whatever, anything that pulls on bone. Yeah, anything that loads the tissue can't cause it to adapt. Yeah, and, and, and I've been saying this for years within my classes, and people used to think I was just selling it because I'm into lifting weights myself, yeah. but it is one of the uh, the beneficial things if you want to talk about your health pension. Mm -hmm. 
you know what I mean? Lift a bit of weight. And I don't mean dumbbells. Yeah, like, I know people bang on about, you know, do your cardio, do your cardio, but you can do cardio through your weights. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. You know, people don't yeah. get that because I haven't made them when it's always like, well, how's your cardio, bro? I'm like, you do a set of eight squats and tell me your heart rate doesn't go up. Like, yeah, but he's like, how, that, he's saying, like, you're in good nick, how's your cardio? Why? Oh, <laughs> would you fuck off? <laughs> bro, he thinks he needs to be running, but anyway, I just think strength training is the dog's dangly bits, you know? Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah. Biased, but there's um, so much research coming out at the moment about it, like, yeah, like, so, you know, for posture, for muscle loss, yeah. you know, osteopenia. Yeah, there's so much. Give us a little insight to your uh, your job with the Munster Rugby team. Oh, yeah. So uh, I'm an academy performance nutritionist. So essentially, the, I look after all the nutrition needs of academy players. So there's 20, 20, 20 21 guys that age between 18 to 22. Some guys are, for, so we kind of have a three-year system, year one, two, and three. Year one, you typically get guys that are just out of school or come through what's called the sub academy. So they might come out of school. We think they're good enough rugby players, but maybe they need a, a year of development. So they'll go into the sub academy where they train with the academy, but they're not given full perks and full contract. And uh, they might come into the academy after one year. Um, and then year two is kind of guys that obviously have progressed from year one. And year three is kind of guys that are probably good enough to play senior level rugby in pro 14 level but maybe just need extra you know could be nutrition or extra uh, strength conditioning or just you know they're they're on the cusp and they probably will play with the senior team we just mm. hang on to them for full development purposes i suppose um so yeah really my job is kind of like you were saying earlier education so i'm trying to educate the boys it's kind of changed a lot i think in recent years it was kind of nutritionist is here here's your meal plan off you go as I, I don't think the meal plan type approach works um i've changed my mind on that i've probably we'll probably come back and, and um do a 360 yeah so like on my face but yeah so i wouldn't is that what they want do they is there a lot of them that do, want it some do and some just kind of want they want the education and some don't want to talk to you though <laughs> <laughs> but that's human yeah, beings, isn't it? I, I'm, I'm, one way I'm really lucky in the fact that like you've got guys that are chomping at the bit to be pro athletes and they're they're on the cusp, they're right there. So some of them come to you and they're like, What what's the one percent that I can do with my nutrition? And unfortunately sometimes players come to me and go, What's the one percent that I can do with my nutrition? And I'm like, Well you've missed ninety nine percent over here. But, <laughs> <laughs> kind of like, if you've got all of this right up like ninety percent of the time They have you, a bit of a blind spot? Yeah, maybe, yeah, or like some guys are just really driven and you can't fault them and they're super intense guys that are like, you know, I think they're doing this and thinking doing that because I read online and you're kind of like, whoa, like you're, you're coming to me with this man and then you're kind of like, okay, but well let's look at everything else that you're maybe not doing and then kind of every single day, like if you can get that right seven days a week, you won't need this, this and this, but you know, you don't know, so it's, a lot of it's kind of problem solving. Um, so mainly I try and educate them. Um, can be kind of some sit down stuff where I kind of give a presentation. Um, I think the best way to get through to players is the one to one sit down, kind of eye to eye, face to face, and go right. What What are you actually doing, and what do you need help with? That would take up a lot of time, though, wouldn't it? It does, yeah. So I'm I'm only part time down there, but kind of twenty hours a week. So if I see four or five players maybe a week, it's gone well because you know per player you could be spending you know fifteen twenty minutes sitting down, maybe longer. You might go away, have to look up. You know, you might have. A, uh, Oh, you know, my stomach keeps cramping up on Saturday before the game. You kind of have to go away, make sure you're on the right path of what you're looking up and come back to them with suggested plans and catching up. 
Mm. So that could, that can eat into an hour or two per day. Mm. And then you obviously have all your other stuff. For, like you have our, our, our coaches meeting first thing on Monday to see, you know, who's training, anyone get injured, do they need... Oh, that's fucking fantastic. Yeah. Uh, what are their attitudes like when they come into you? Like, are they as green as grass? Like, are they like, coming straight from home or is it a variant? Um, see, some guys might go to boarding school and I kind of left a little bit to their own devices. Okay, so they have a bit of a clue. Yeah. Um, some guys lived at home and kind of mum and dad have looked after things. We're actually quite lucky though that we have, if we think a player, let's say in fourth or fifth year of school, is going to be an academy prospect and a pro rugby player, we can kind of recruit them under what's called the National Talent Squad. So the IRFU kind of oversees that. And they'll go, we think this player is good enough to be in the academy. We're going to try and provide him with support now so he gets a service. So that service includes strength, conditioning, nutrition, physio, medical, and separate rugby sessions to what he's getting in the school. So Munster will provide rugby coaches that do group sessions. Like So if they're in Cork, the, the, the group, the, that NTS group might train in Cork. Like, yeah, like S&C plans and stuff like that. So we're kind of investing in them younger so that when they come to the academy, they develop. So... With, the, with those guys, because they're like 16, 17, 18, you're getting them, so when they come into the academy, they're like, they've already, they know who you are, they've seen you a few times over the last year or two mm. years, and they have a good level of knowledge. So some of my schools players that are going to come into academy, sub-academy this year, I'd say, have like really good habits because they were like, okay, I'm not even in the academy, I need to show I'm academy worthy, and I'm still in school, and they've gone above and beyond, and they've done everything in terms of, like, I look at maybe a it's rare that like, I would do food diaries kind of periodically just to kind of see like what have you been doing in the last few days and stuff like that and I look at some of their food diaries and I'm like wow then I then like fair play exactly yeah. you know when it comes to like for the guys that are not you know are uh, not as dedicated to, to implementing their, their their nutrition or their plans how do you how do you get them to buy into change you and I have talked about behaviour changes what's some of the stuff that you would do there to, to to get people to make them changes or what helps? And uh, I, I guess it will depend on the player that's sitting in front of you. So some players sit with you and they won't change because they think they can't. And then there's other players who think they don't need to. So that's a slightly different thing I would say. So the players, it'll be a similar approach for me for both. Like I'd look at it go, okay, so you're in this position at the moment you need to improve, you know, it could be any number of things. Let's say your nutrition needs to improve because, let's say, you need to put on weight. And I've asked you, you know, I sat with you two weeks ago and we kind of said, you know, could you do this? Could you eat that? Would you try this? And it's two weeks later and nothing's changed. Okay, so, you know, why didn't I kind of, I'm looking for what went wrong in that kind of space and time. Um, so really what I'm looking to do is identify, like, what that person perceives as their barrier to their progress. So what are the barriers for them to change? So what's stopping them? So like some guys, it could be, oh, well, you know, you're asking me to eat more food and, you know, food is expensive. So you're kind of like, all right, okay. So it could be as simple as like, where are you doing your shopping? And they might go, well, Dunn's. You go, all right. You know, there's a little or an Aldi down the road that you can get the same shop for 30 euro cheaper and you save 30 euro. Or, oh, eating healthy or eating more is really expensive. And like, are you eating out often? And like, oh, well, I, I buy my lunch or I buy my breakfast every day. And you work out like so we had a guy who was like, I buy my breakfast every day and I buy my lunch every day. And I worked out that he was probably spending close to fifty or sixty quid just on breakfast and lunches a week. And wow. I was like, You realise that if you went to Aldi I could give you a shopping list that 
got you everything you needed for a week's worth of food for 50 quid. So that's like three or four meals a day for six or seven days for the price of eight eight meals or not 10 meals or something. So like stuff like that, it's like, they don't, they might, might not think of it, like, you know, that kind of way. They just, oh, I need food now. I need, so here's my food. And there's a pickup, you know, the rack where they go to the canteen and they buy something. Like. Yeah. So a lot of it, I'm trying to teach them the planning. Um, stuff like that. Um, you know, because I've always found with people, you know, whether to try implement new nutritional habits, you know, by work with clients, you know, whether it be in the job or not, it's all, it's never the mechanics of the diet. It's not like low carb, high carb. I mean, it's, it's the behavioral changes. It's the lifestyle. It's the psychosocial. It's the psychological. It's, yeah. there's so much involved, isn't it? Yeah. I think as well, like, there's definitely an emotional part of it. Like, there's like, people have an emo- like a belief of a certain way of eating. And then there's also the fact that like, likely is if someone's come to me at 19, they probably ate the same or similar like people's eating habits are fairly consistent you know they don't really a lot unfortunately a lot of people don't necessarily think about it so my job is to kind of get them thinking about it and once they're aware of it like so just kind of like a body of psychological research out there without getting too technical like the um jesus kind of god like uh, there's different stages of when people want to change and one of the first stages is called pre-contemplation so that's before the person has even been aware that there's a problem. So you know, I remember they used to like that I'll quit is like the first step is admitting you have a problem. Mm. They used to say it. and that's kind of the pre contemplation, like until you're willing to say to yourself, This is an issue or I need to change this, nothing's really gonna change. No, you need to develop some kind of insight. Yeah. And that's kind of the first kind of step is if this player is not aware of you know, you know, your position requires you to get a certain body mass and if you're oblivious to that or you oh, I have to kind of get that around you and I can't do anything else until you're willing to meet me there. Then the next stage is kind of contemplation where they're going, okay, so I'm aware of this. So they start kind of thinking about it. Kind of need to know what's next then is their action. So or planning, I think, is the next one. So, okay, you're aware of what you need to do. So how do you go about doing it? Well, we need a plan. And that's where I come in and say, don't worry, what plan? Do you, what, what, what's the goal? What do we need to do? Then you have to make sure the action, the plan in terms of are they going to follow through or are they going to, you know, not do it? And for me, that's where it's really crucial because... Like, for example, I said meal plans earlier. Why I don't think they work is they kind of, they ask people to change everything all at once and all of a sudden your head spins and you, like, it kind of takes a bit of a an emotional kind of like, Jesus, what's he asking me to do here? Like, what's, whereas I go, right, are you eating a breakfast every morning? The same now, I was like, right, I want you to eat a breakfast. I don't really care what it is because I want you in the habit of eating a breakfast. Mm. And if he comes in, he goes, I had a bottle of Coca Pops, pat on the back. For me, if you've gone from not eating breakfast, eating Coke Pops five days a week. Now, that's not healthy. I'm not going to say it is, but I've got him in the habit of having something. He gets up 10 minutes earlier and he's aware. That yeah. he needs to, so he's aware he needs to eat. He's doing it. So I can work on, oh, instead of Coke Pops, why don't you change maybe some oats and a oh, bit of fruit yeah. or a couple of scrambled eggs, whatever we need. Yeah, you can serve me. You can, and it's, can easier, it's easier that way because yeah, yeah. his barrier is I don't eat breakfast and all of a sudden is I need you to poach three eggs and just cook porridge and I need you to have some spinach and toast. And then you go and go, oh, I can't cook, I don't know how to poach eggs. And you're kind of like, well, there's another barrier that I didn't even think about. Yeah. And then another thing is, oh, oh I, am, I don't have a car, where am I going to get the eggs? Or how am I going to get the eggs? You're like, oh, so he needs to plan and he needs to get his eggs on a Sunday so he has them for the week. It's, it, 
just steps itself back all the time. So what's the smallest thing you can change that's going to be in the right direction? And once we're going in the right direction, you just keep using that momentum of, okay, what's the next step? And what's the next step? And what's the next step? What I'm picking up from here is, and we talked about this before, Rich, it's adding things. It's not going in saying, get rid of this, get rid of that, because that's a form of beating people up when you start telling them, oh, get that out of your diet, take that in. But we say, right, add a breakfast, add this, add that. Then all there's no room for the other shit or the other bad behaviours. Yeah, it. kind of as well. I was thinking of it the other day, and I remember like I coached clients before that were like had to cut weight for um, competitions, like powerlifters and, and boxers. And then there's other people that kind of like look after their physique for aesthetic purposes, so how they look. And I've kind of seen it a bit on social media, and as soon as they kind of go, I'm on a cut, and everything occupies their mind is about the cut. I'm on the cut. I can't eat that because I'm cutting. You're kind of like, okay, if that's what you want to do when you're driven savage, but I think you're actually feeding yourself negativity. But if you keep reminding yourself of it, not how horrible it is, it actually might not be might not be that bad. Like, don't get me wrong. If you're competing for bodybuilding and you're 16 weeks into an aggressive calorie deficit, like that's not nice. Yeah. That is torture. I done one last year, and I was done 18 weeks of a cook, and it was possibly one of the uh, the easiest one I done. It's difficult to stick to it, but it wasn't. I didn't absolutely butcher myself. Yeah. But, uh, I, but I think like the more people put out, there's a couple of people that are putting out and like, oh yeah, the cut, the cut. Like, it's all they talk about. You're kind of like. But the the way I find with bodybuilders, whatever they restrict all certain foods. I don't have any restrictions. Around, so I work off a calorie deficit, and it's always I don't eat shit foods. I'll, I'll have a protein bar. I know you're a fan of them. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, don't start. I work I work it around my calories. Like, I know I'll have fats, I'll have butter, I'll have bread, I'll have all these things. There's nothing restricted, mm. just a lesser portion of it all. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. But, like. But what when people do cuts, they usually mean they're going to have uh, chicken, rice, and broccoli. Chicken, rice, and broccoli. Not even that, like, because you can, you can get away. Like, like you said, if you reduce your calories and get your macro right, your macros right, your body composition, and you're training appropriately, your body composition will. should take care of itself. Like. Yeah, that's what I found. Like, going to cuts easy. I think I'm more at looking at, like, the food part of it, I've moved a little bit away from recommend, not recommended food. I still tell the boys what to eat, you know, pre-game, post-game, recovery, all that stuff. So that, then that like wasn't, the, yeah, go on, sorry, I'm jumping on. The emotional side or the mental side of it, I'm kind of focusing on a bit more lately because of people's attitudes towards changing their nutrition, I guess, is kind yeah. of more aware. And it comes back to the I think it's the bigger too. one. I think it's the bigger one. You can get into the, the nuts and bolts of the mechanics of the diet, you know, the carbs, the whole I think the, the, the behavior is a yeah. huge part. Like one of the best books I've read on this is I sent it to you, uh, Switch. Yeah, you said about the elephant and the rider. So if you think of your your mind in kind of two sections, so the elephant is this, you know, an elephant is a big animal, mm. but it's really erratic and it scares easily. So it needs a rider and your rider is your logical brain that's going to control things and keep everything in check. So when you get a meal plan, you get something that's kind of like, First thing that happens is like the elephant sees a mouse, it's kind of scared and it wants to run away. So, and the rider's kind of like, no, don't do that. And like the elephant's so big, it, it takes over, it controls the rider, when it should be the rider controlling the elephant and they're both on the same path. And that's the way like I look at it. So if you give someone a diet plan and it's got different foods that they use, not use heating and all of a sudden they have to cook and they, they haven't really got the habit of cooking, like that freaks the shit out of the elephant and it runs it away and all of a sudden the rider's clinging on for life. Mm. so you kind of want to do it and the other thing it does is it creates what's called ambivalence or ambivalence as some people I don't know 
ambivalence. The grey area, or do you want to say? Exactly, but like there's a there's a disconnect between what you know is the right thing to do and what your mind is kind of going, let's get out of here. And there's that internal struggle. And as soon as you've got that, it's likely the emotional side will win out and you just go back to, I didn't do my meal plan today. And then client day goes back to the gym, I didn't do my meal plan the last three days. So what, what? So this is where the coaching comes in. It's like, as the coach, how do you ref? What the fuck did you do that? Or, okay, so why do you think you didn't do that? And what of it was the hardest part? And what was the easiest part? Like, oh, you know, I, I never really cooked eggs for breakfast, so it means I have to get up extra 20 minutes so I can do it. So did anyone factor that in when they were thinking of that? Like, that kind of stuff. And you have to look beyond, beyond the foods. So. Yeah, because yeah, people are forever talking to me, the job, is this healthy? Is that healthy? Is, will this help me lose weight? And again, it's we're getting lost in the grey area, you know, I, I just, I always do, I can't answer that question, what is it in relation to? Depends. Yeah, you know, put it in context, like, I mean, if you eat 10 protein bars, that's not good for you. Like, you know, what everyone is looking for that food that's healthy or non-healthy, and what I say, it's all about the behavioural stuff, you know, what are you doing every meal you sit yeah. down, every day, every week, every month, sleep and eat and train, and, but everyone wants to know, yeah. is that food healthy? Healthy has its context as well. Like it's a gigantic load of bother. <laughs> but like, if you've got someone that's so deep into the, the, this certain type of diet they put on, whether they put themselves on or someone put them on, and they're on the verge of cracking up, like, and their fucking favorite thing to do is eat a bag of crisps. You know, that's a bag of crisps, man. It's not the end of the world. And in that moment, you know, if they stay on the diet, if they have to buy crisps, like, right, I got that over with, I'm out, it's out of my system, like, in that moment, the crisps have been healthy for them. Mm. It's been good for their mental state, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and me and Aaron, Aaron's here, by the way, Aaron's sitting over there in the corner, we have him. Fucking great. Looking, he's, he's the eye candy here, Aaron's the technical, I know Karen, Aaron's the social media guru, but me and, Aaron, me and Aaron were talking earlier, and we were just talking about, like, protein bars, and I said I'd bring up when you come here. Oh, you haven't at the end of the day, but it's either that or it's a Toblerone or it's a Snickers, you know. But yeah. it does have protein in it, yeah. rabbit ears. Third <laughs> <laughs> of ten grams of protein is still a third. Yeah, you can't polish it, show you. <laughs> I have to give that one to Graham Close. He told me that one. Yeah. Yeah, it's like all this new protein fat. Like people want the. It goes in cycles of what's healthy. So like the Atkins diet was a high fat diet. That was healthy for you. That was the thing. Like now it's the keto diet. It's nearly the same thing. Mm. high protein high fat and low carb and then all this like health foods for a while sugar free because it was low carb was the health food and now it's high protein or added protein and you're kind of like well it's still got extra fat and carbs in it it's still terrible for you but mm. it's got protein in it so does that negate all the other stuff I don't think so yeah but another one that people always say to me yeah it's got protein in it but it has a spark domain in it and as all these, I know, I know, I get this all the time in the job. People come up to me and go, you told me that the protein in little was grand. And I said, it is grand. You get like 35 grams. It's a sitting in 350 grams of whatever. And you go, but it has a spartamine in it now. I'm like, just eat the protein, you know. You'll know, be grand. Yeah. Do you get that all the time? Sometimes. Not not really from the players. More from general health. Like, oh, you think it is? I read this the other day. And they're kind of like, oh, here we go. Um... Luckily, yeah, thankfully the player, like, Alex, 
not really a player. Like, I'm quite lucky that the, the guys I have this crop are really well educated. They've done a lot of work themselves, and I've been fortunate enough to kind of assist them along that path. Mm. And some of them, sometimes, they, like, one guy came to me one day and he was like, oh, I want to take glutamine. I was like, oh, all right, okay. And I was kind of like, why? And he's like, oh, it's good for energy. I was like, oh, how? Just, you know, trying to be more, really relaxed about it and playing devil's advocate. And he's like, oh, I don't know, it's just uh one of the guys in the gym I trained with over the summer was saying I need to take glutamine because it's good for energy. I was like, oh, and is he a qualified dietitian or nutrition? He's like, oh, no, no, he's a, he's a judo coach and stuff. I was like, all right, okay. And then I was like, okay, what do you think? And he's like, I think I need glutamine. I was like, all right. He's like, do you know what glutamine is? Do you know where you get glutamine? He's like, no. I was like, okay. You know, it's a form of like an amino acid and it's in protein foods. He's like, is it really? Yeah. <laughs> but I still need a tub of it. I was like, ah, so he's hooked on it. Like, so all of a sudden, this was a guy that I couldn't get to show me his change in his nutrition habits for love, no money. I couldn't get him to do anything. And uh, he was just a really laid back guy. And uh, I was kind of like, there's two ways to play this there. It's kind of go, shut up, get out of my sight. Or I'm going to be like, all right, man, if I give you this, I want to see you do this and this. And that's the trade-off. And that's kind of, that's how I tried to get my win with him. Mm. So I gave him, I, I managed to do we had a tool somewhere. And, uh, glutamine. Glutamine, yeah. It's one of the essential amino acids, isn't yeah. it? If you're going to get some. Yeah, yeah. Like the, BCA, I mean, that's like, uh, EAAs uh, are mixed amino acids, you're going to get some. Yeah, sure it's something to a lad in the gym, uh, bro science, and he told me the other day that to choose what type of carbohydrates, choose the form, you know, choose potatoes, you know, because they, they, they digest a certain way, not sweet potato, because sweet potato is what it says, sweet potato. I know you on the tip of my tongue going, there's only five grams of carbs in the difference between 200 grams of sweet potato and ordinary potatoes. What's the difference? And he was like, it's sweet potato. Sweet is in the name. And I was like, oh, I'm not even going to go there with you. So he told what me. Was that, it, what was he getting at though? Like, just... That potatoes are less sweet. And, you know, if you, it was to do with carbohydrates. Choose the certain carbohydrates that you, you, you're going to use. Use ordinary potatoes because sweet potato are much sweeter. But I know myself that there's only five grams of the difference of carbohydrates. There's no really. I think there's more vitamin A in. Uh, and sweep it out, am yeah. I right? Yeah, you're right, yeah. Yeah, like, I don't think there's a huge help in it. You're not going to start fucking flying off and walk fucking buildings and eat sweep it out. You know, as much as that. It's their... not what people latch onto, is it? Oh, 100%. I get this all the time, but I didn't say anything because I, I fucking, I probably thought that myself a couple of years ago and I, I read myself out. Well, that's why one of my good bears is this thing of people trying to vilify fruit. I was in the gym a couple of weeks ago and it was like, uh, guy was obviously had his first or maybe second session with a PT and the PT was like, yeah, how's your food been? You know, how's your food? I gave you that meal plan. And like, I overheard this before saying, should I have headphones? But kind of like, oh, okay, yeah. And he's like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, what you, how you eating protein? Yeah, eat meat. And the guy was kind of, I think he was trying to like hint that he was a bit more towards vegetarian and plant-based. And then he kind of was like, yeah, I eat a lot of fruit. And your mom was like, wow, oh, Jesus, I don't know. You know, can't eat fruit, man. Fruit's full of sugar. It's, it's carbs. And I was sitting there going, are you actually telling someone not to eat fruit? <laughs> I need to leave. I need to go where I'm gonna expel because okay, yeah, it is. It's fructose. It's a form, but it's metabolized a little bit differently than glucose. Like it's called blood glucose, not blood fructose. Like, you know? Sorry, 
going on a rant. But I was kind of like, your like fruit and veg are like should be a, the base staple of your nearly your diet. Like, and you add in your proteins and you add in your fats and your carbs to that. Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What 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 are you people got miss? You can, sometimes they don't equate the fruit as carbs. Like you, if you just look at purely objective, it is carbs. There's carbs in it. And if you want, if you're counting your macros, but people get lost and have to go. Well, how many days day people count their macros and need to know their macros inside out? Yeah, yeah, true. But like if I give you, um, a hundred grams of strawberries, that's a lot of fucking strawberries. There's only about twelve grams of carbs in there. Probably, and how many calories is in there? Not a whole five. There's about 60 or so, less. Yeah, and how much fiber is in there? And how much water is in there? So how mm. full are you going to feel after it? Mm. So that's what you're, like, that's the reality of it. And the apple cake that comes with it. <laughs> and the cream. And the, cream. And the custard. The cream, yeah. It's all about the insulin, bro. <laughs> yeah. What is your philosophy on, on your nutrition and weight loss and, you know, cutting weight? What's, where's your, where's your stand? I know you've read loads of books, Lane Norton and... Oh, yeah. For for general day to day nutrition in terms of general population, um, I would say there's probably you know should be a slight shift towards a more plant based. Now I don't mean everyone needs to go vegetarian and vegan, but they need to incorporate a wider variety of veg in their meals. Um, I do see a lot of general population under consuming protein. From what I can see, if anyone's doing any sort of training, they got protein requirements do go up. It's just the fact of how protein turns over in the body on an hourly or a couple of hour cycle. So rates of muscle protein synthesis building, rates of muscle protein breaking breaking down. And that cycles every kind of three or four hours. So you can stimulate that by feeding protein. So anyone that's doing any sort of training, like our goal is in like for athletic competition and even for human health is to maintain muscle mass. I mentioned sarcopenia earlier. Mm. Muscle mass, muscle is an active tissue that is the regulator site of regulation for where carbohydrates go and it like it glue forth takes them into the cell and all that kind of stuff so we want to hold on to muscle for those reasons so there's health mm. benefits from having muscle mass over a long period of time not necessarily saying everyone that, that does a bit of training needs to go out and slam protein shakes and eat steak five times a day and stuff like that you don't no. need to go to but the they have a budget they need to go off and yeah. i send this to my girlfriend you know but she didn't eat enough like she didn't really understand the value of it in but then when I said, no, you need to be eating this certain amount because you do, you run and you go to the gym and you do all these kind of things. It's important. It's not yeah. just so you look like Madonna, you know, get the muscles. Yeah. You know, it's, but it's sometimes it's alien because society or the World Health Organization have always said, you know, protein will be really low. But then when anyone goes over that, straight away think I'm eating too much or, you know, will this be bad for my kidneys? Will this be bad for me, my liver? At the moment, there doesn't appear to be enough or massive evidence to suggest it's bad for that. No, I've done yeah. tons of reading on that, tons of research on it. I've looked up papers that unless you've got kidney or renal problems, and yeah. then you're up against, yeah. you're just overloading the system. Exactly. But it's yeah. not down to the the, yeah. the product that you're putting in. It's down to the actual system itself. Yeah. The best, if we cycle back, I suppose, what's my nutrition philosophy or how do I think about it? Like, So if you look at it in terms of a pyramid, for me, the bottom... The base of a pyramid is energy balance in terms of how many calories are coming in to how many calories are going out. And all them books I've read on nutrition, all them, they all really say the same thing. I think so, except maybe uh, Gary Tobbs. He doesn't really believe in that. But anyway, that's what I Like, the ultimate thing is if you... If He's on Wilson's dad, by the way. He looks like him. He's <laughs> on Wilson. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> 
That's class. I didn't realise that. Didn't yeah. make that connection. Um, so energy balance with the bottom of the pyramid, and like if you have too many calories coming in to what you're burning off, you will put on weight. And for some people in certain situations, that's desirable. That's what we want. We yeah. might want the player or bodybuilder to put on muscle. We want them to put on weight. Um, and then if you have less calories coming in than you're eating, then you're burning off. You're gonna lose weight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you less calories coming in. Yeah, you're gonna lose weight. And again, that's desirable in certain situations where you want someone to be lighter to weigh in on the scales. But then you have to look at the next level, which I would say is the macronutrients. So your proteins, your carbs, your fats. If you want to count alcohol as a macronutrient, we can. It gives you calories. Um, so your ratio, your proportion of carbs, fats, and proteins within that energy balance. Um, so like for people that are cutting weight, again, like I was saying, you want to maintain, for athletic performance, you want to maintain muscle mass, as much muscle mass as you can. So to do that, if you're in a calorie deficit, you need to have extra protein. So that's where you're bumping protein. So I think a lot of it comes from like, there are bodybuilders in the past that have gone on calorie deficits and have upped their protein to probably two and a half, three grams per kg. For the general population, that's probably overkill, mm-hmm. you know? Well, from all the research, you know, Menno Hans, I follow Menno Hans oh, a lot. Yeah. You know, we're, we're looking at 0.8 of a gram per gram or 1.4 for a 1. kilo. 6, yeah. Or 1.6 per kilo yeah. is where you're looking at, you know. Uh, and there's, I think that's across the board. A lot of research, that's around the figure. Yeah, 1.1, 1.6 seems to be decent. Per kilo. Per grams per kg, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think 0.8 per pound. Yeah, per pound, sorry. Yeah, yeah, 0.8 per pound. Excuse me. Yeah. More than that then, it's just... Because, again, it's still a a calorie and it's still nutrition and it'll be stored as fat if you you go over Uh, your budget. I know it's a little more complex. Yeah, it's a massively more complex pathway. But, again, like, if you've got excess calories, they'll be stored. Yeah. It's a a first principle survival type mechanism you know, the body doesn't know that you've taken food away for a, an appearance purpose or a performance purpose. All it goes is there's less energy coming in. That's not good. Mm. What the hell's going on? So it ramps up all these processes. It goes, we need energy. So it makes you hungry. You know, it's like secreting these things. Like, I feel hungry. Of course you're hungry. You don't have enough energy coming in. The body's perceiving that threat. There's a, possibly a famine. Mm. So then the next time, or after a cycle, like you, you do 16 weeks of a diet, and then after that, it's like, oh, I can eat normally again, and all of a sudden your body's going to cling on to every bit of energy you can get. So if you blow it out of the water, it's like, right, I'm taking that, and I'm going to store it in case that ever happens again. Yeah. So you get, like, the uh, novel lipogenesis or potentially creation of new fat cells or increasing your fat cell size. So, you, like, so after the diet after the diet is one of the things Lane Norton's talking about a lot lately, and it's something to be conscious of for anyone that does. Like. Oh, so yeah. we're seeing a lot of stuff with people that have yo-yo dieted. Yeah. So they'll do a crash diet for a couple of weeks, and they'll come off it. Oh yeah, that diet really worked. Oh, yeah, I lost X stone or kilos or whatever, yeah. And like, and how are you now? They're going back up. And I'm actually probably a little bit heavier. And they're like, diet didn't really work then, did it? Like, oh, it did because I lost all the weight. I was like, you didn't keep it off when you. Sorry, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be a dick here, but the reality is you you were down there and you're back to here and you don't be on. Do you reckon ninety five percent of diet people that diet they'll go back? You know, just you know. yeah. Well, like if they follow the strict plan, like. The, the key thing for me is the diet has to be sustainable. So underneath, so I haven't even finished talking about the pyramid, but underneath the pyramid is... Get back to the pyramid then. Well, underneath the pyramid is adherence and sustainability. So 
the thing about like this keto diet or the low carb diet is people find them easy to stick to and if, if they find it easy to stick to and it, it puts them in the position where they're seeing results they want to see then if it's working for them great now i can make a recommendation in terms of if it's a rugby person that wants to do keto and kind of like the system you use to run as fast as you can repeatedly in an 80 minute game of rugby relies on carbohydrates that might not be the best thing for you to get rid of them and i'm going to leave that with you you know at the end of the day some of these these guys are adults and they have to take that as well so but for the general population if someone likes eating a higher fat diet with more protein and less carbohydrates and they can sustain that for a long period of time mm. right fair play to like do it mm. <laughs> you know what i mean what's, what's the best diet the best diet is the one you can stick to 100 well, i've found that uh, and the thing about with the ketos and the low carb high fats people I know you have been the victim of this. You get the calories wrong. You overeat. It's very easy to overeat on fat. Yeah. Especially if you put up a protein, you know, if you have a lamb chops, you know, oh, there's fat and there's protein in there. And you know yourself for a keto, ketogenic diet, you got to keep your protein low as well. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're looking at ketones for energy. And yeah. People don't understand that some part. Of, of, some of the keto stuff is like 80% of your calories come from fat. Yes. Yeah. And you got to keep your fat, you got to keep your protein really low because yeah. that, in, that uh, impacts on your your ketone levels as well you can yeah, spike yeah. insulin and because yeah. like protein is insogenic as well yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah it's, it goes back to those doesn't it just keeping your calories to your requirements yeah and then like if you look at it in terms of fat storage from macronutrients fat is more likely to be stored as fat yeah because it's the same structure carbohydrates have to go through a slight conversion process and i think it's about like if you're ex, if you're eating in excess and you eat extra carbohydrates, like I think about one or two percent of that can be converted to fat storage. But people think if they eat a car, it gets stored straight away. And like, no, shuttle it into a muscle to be used as a fuel source or something. And it's only then after. If yeah. it's not used, it'll be like, well, we don't need this right now. We'll put it in storage for later. Mm. That's a really small percentage of overconsumption. So. Um, yeah, it's fascinating. Will I go back to the pyramid? <laughs> 100%. Get me back to the pyramid. Uh, what did I cover? The bottom of the pyramid is energy balance. The next step is macronutrients. So your carbs, pro- uh, yeah, carbs, proteins, fats. For me, the next thing for performance is probably looking at like timing of those. So a lot of people kind of go, okay, I just I just crushed the workout. I did loads of arms and I need to get my 20 grams of protein in my shape within 15 seconds or I've wasted my workout. The golden window. That window. The, an- the anabolic window. Yeah, the anabolic window. The anabolic barn door. It's fucking that big. And <laughs> probably would last for 48, maybe even 72 hours, depending on the stimulus you give it. Like, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. But then you're like, okay, so you got your 25 grams in after your workout. Great. What's the rest of your day look like? Oh, I'm going to have pizza for dinner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's the point in focusing on that 15 seconds or whatever? Like, if you've missed the other 23 hours. So, stuff like that. But for athletes, like, there are certain times a day if, if I suppose the most niche or the most applied I've seen is like we've got someone on a very strict calorie deficit because they need to make weight but we also need them to, to train hard enough that they improve and get better and they're actually able to tolerate it and, so that's, recover. and recover exactly so that's where the nutrient timing thing comes in yeah so, recovery day, you yeah, so you might go low carb in the morning because they're not training until the evening and then around lunchtime you might introduce some carbohydrates That'll be enough of a fuel source that they can use for their high intensity session that evening. And then afterwards, depending on what, what happened, you might refuel with carbohydrates 
to bring them back to that level so they're good to go again the next morning. Yeah. Or if they're not doing that the next morning, you might go, oh, hang on, we might not need as much carbs as we think it. And we're still within that budget of calories for the day that they're low enough that they're going to still lose fat. But they have enough carbs in the system that they can perform at the highest level. Because at the end of the day, when it comes to competition and performance is the, the driver for us. If someone's not performing, we're not doing our job. And I think that's where the window come in for people thinking that they got to slam 25 grams of protein, so many grams of carbs to recover from their session. Blah, blah, blah. They've, they've missed it. And I understand that people think like that. But if you don't have protein and glycogen and fat going around your system from the night before his dinner or yesterday's dinner, there's something wrong. Mm. And that will cover you. You'll be grand mm. unless you're performing at an Olympic level or you're a world level. Or A lot of the stuff comes from like they do their own studies. So a lot of probably the original sports science research would have come from elite level runners and cyclists because whoever was working with them had access to them. And these people would be doing two, two training sessions a day, a morning session and an evening session. At that point in time, like if you've got less than six hours between sessions, you need to make sure that glycogen is restored so that they have enough fuel in the tank to go again in the second session. So that's where the timing is really important. For someone that's coming along and going to the gym in the morning and then going to work for the rest of the day, and they might even have the day off next, like in terms of training the next day, or it's not as important. So if you've missed your energy balance, you've missed your overall total macronutrient intake, yeah. targeting that post-workout window, doesn't really like it's not going to have as much of an impact as the layers below you, if you know what I mean. Like, mm. So, the magnitudes of effect the magnitude of effect is calorie balance will have the biggest effect, macronutrients, the biggest effect, nutrient timing is a small effect. Mm. Yeah, that's a great point. The very top and the smallest part of the pyramid is a uh, supplement. So, supplements are just really concentrated about doses of a certain type of food or micronutrients that you might struggle to get in. I think the first thing people do is when they start training, they're like, oh, I need to buy a protein supplement. Mm. Part of my job with lads is, where do you get protein in food? What food sources can you eat yeah. that are going to fill up your calorie balance, tick off your macronutrient box, and by the time you get up to the pyramid, do you really need a supplement? You can save yourself a lot of money if yeah. you do it. Like me and you talked before about chronometer. I use chronometer, and I put all my food into that because I'm just pretty anal. Uh, and it gives me a rundown of what I what I get take in and what I what I miss and vitamins, minerals and all that. And I've often said to people, throw it in and see where you're at. Mm. You know, people are like, oh, I don't want to be doing that. But then then go buy the supplement. Or if you want to save yourself a few quid, whack it in. See, like I mean, people don't realise if you have a couple of uh, uh, green or red peppers, you you you've smashed your vitamin C level for the day. Mm. And they're like, what green and red pepper? I'm like, yeah. But do you think I need to take a thousand yeah. uh, milligrams of vitamin C? It's in there, but you can see what you need. Look, I don't take an omegas because I'm not a fishy unless it's done. You got a catch or smoke cod out of the chipper. Then I'm fucked. I'm take an omegas and a few other things, uh, methylated B12s. But that app, I think, is deadly for that. Yeah, don't get me wrong. At the elite level of sports performance, there's definitely things we can supplements we can give to athletes that are going to be ergogenic or help their performance. So, if you talk about caffeine or maybe beta aniline or certain sports you might look at sodium bicarbonate or even uh, I forgot this one the last time creatine so uh, yeah. that can have an impact but like a simple analogy would be like oh I'm looking to put on weight should I go on creatine I'm like okay have you adjusted your calories up no why would I but like if you have more calories coming in there's no association with you, it <laughs> you put you know put two and two together there more calories in you should put on weight and if you get your macronutrients right you should put on a better ratio of muscle to fat. 
Creatine is just going to help you store water, and that's what's going to change the scales, but it's not really going to do much for you, actually. In terms of, in terms of laying down new skeletal muscle tissue, like it'll increase your lean mass, but that's down to water retention. Mm. So, stuff like that, I guess. I mean, you're trying to educate the boys, so, oh, I want to put on weight, but I don't have creatine. And you're like, well, what phase of the season are you in? And, you know, creatine should be used to enhance your power output and repeated power output. So, are you doing a power block in the gym? Or could you just eat more calories? Don't get me wrong, there could be a time and a place where you go, yeah, increase your calories and yeah, go on creatine because it lines up with what you're doing. Mm. Again, it's getting all the ducks in a row, yeah. you know, and not yeah. just run out and getting creatine. You take creatine and you could be under it, like, uh, caloric yeah. intake. Yeah. So you'd be taking the creatine, you're not going to have any effect. So you need to be doing the, the, the nutrition, meeting your protein needs, meeting your carb needs, fats, and then a supplement. Yeah. With, with your creatine. Clues in the name and start to supplement an already really good diet. Yeah. If your diet's not good, you're like... That's another one I've done for years. Trying to put a on a house that has, like, hasn't got walls on it, like, you know? Yeah. I, I took all the supplements, took all that. It was only when I started really dialing in me, me, me nutrient uh, intake, macros, is really when I started seeing bang for buck. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that the stuff I take now is it's actually just supplements, you know, food. Like, I don't drink food either. Now with a shake, so I just yeah, yeah. yeah I, I just I've got away from all that because I don't rush now straight from the gym to have a protein shake. I wait till I get to work and I go and cook something. I can cook something, yeah. or make sure it's a, a, a solid meal. You yeah. know, I think so. Like the biggest thing they offer is convenience. Don't get me wrong; they're very, they can be very convenient, and if they're used appropriately, great. So, like with the if the guys in school I mentioned earlier, like we've a strict now under eighteen supplement policy. Like if you're under eighteen. You do not. You're not allowed to take supplements. We won't recommend supplements because I think it's deadly. Because that the value is in the food. Yeah, a hundred percent. So and it's it's not like when you think about it, it's not really that easy to get it wrong. Like it's like there's carbs, fats, and protein, and you can go into fucking anywhere and get those, and that's all it is. It's like a lot of there's been a lot of smoke and mirrors by the the food industry yeah. hasn't there, and the the supplement companies and all that because it's only the only thing you need to worry about is carbs, fats, and protein. I know it's very simple. I'm making it very simplistic. Very, yeah. A lot of other things that go along with that, I suppose. But yeah, like there's a lot of like there is, there is, because there are, there is always going to be something that comes out in terms of a study showed this, and everyone kind of jumps on that, and the media jump on that. But like anyone that kind of gets into the nitty gritty of the methodology and the statistical models and stuff, they're like, oh, you know, there was a, a twofold increase in cancer rates in rats when they ate this, whatever. And you look at that and go, well, like that was like a really, really small percentage of what actually happened, mm. you know. And they just kind of the way the way the statistics were run and the magnitude, the meaningful difference is your risk has increased by 0.01 percent as a human. Mm. Kind of like that's actually not that big. When you, when you look like, but you know, you can you can take a headline and run with it, I guess. And there's always stuff that comes out contradicts. And I suppose for us, we have to take the weight of the evidence. So you know. Two studies could say one thing and eight studies could say another thing. So what, what are you going to do? Probably lean towards what eight studies have shown it. Mm. I, I, don't get me wrong, I have a, a healthy degree of scepticism, but the weight of the evidence lies in, in this this path or this recommendation, so I'm going to go with it. Like, and that's kind of what you're using. That's what, what, what I would use. That's what I was trying to do as well. Actually. I'm kind of going back a bit here. Something just sprung to my mind as I'm thinking. When you said you don't give uh, food plans. Oh, yeah. So when I'm thinking you're doing performance and they're all playing the same sport, would 
would it not have been beneficial to give them a, a food plan because then they're all on say a carbohydrate diet this way a low fat this diet this day and then it'll match the needs of the sport do you know what I mean yeah Just tell them what to eat because that will then help them perform on the day yeah and to a point I'd tell them what to eat but it'd be I'd give general recommendations oh yeah you would make like, a sport specific oh yeah I yeah, would don't get wrong like so for example if we're kind of coming towards the end of pre-season the boys are going to start playing games right right lads pre-game nutrition and what you should be trying to do you know in terms of carb load and 36 hours out from kickoff 8 grams 6 to 8 grams per kg carbohydrate keep your protein the same 2 grams per kg towards the game reduce your fibre intake ah really so you don't want to be going in with your heavy goods um, stuff like that and hydration I would go into with them yeah but Brilliant. more so what I meant is if I've met you for maybe the first or second time and I give you the sheet that goes, you know, meal one, meal two, meal three, and it's completely alien to what you're normally used to doing, mm. I can probably bank 90% chance you're not going to, you're not going to hit all six of those meals or all five of those meals perfectly and you're going to feel shit about yourself because if I didn't do the meal plan the way you told me to do the meal plan. Yeah, 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 yeah. So straight away you're on a negative with someone, whether it's a client or a nutritionist or whatever, and that's what I'm trying to avoid. And when I said earlier I'd circle back to it, my view on meal plans has changed in that one of the best ways to get someone to kind of uh, start progressing or start changing behaviour is to make it really specific and signpost them the destination. So what's the end goal? Where do I want you? And I know from like the research and from the experience, and I could write out a meal plan for a player and not give it to them, but I could have it there and go, so this is what I'd love you to do. That'd be you sitting pretty now. What are you doing? And what I'm going to do is look for the discrepancies between what I have written down and what he's showing me. So the meal plan in my head is all of these things. So, you know, five protein hits a day and he's getting 50 grams at dinner. So like, you can go as specific as you yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden I look and he's like, I'm not eating breakfast or he's skipping lunch or he's not having a post-workout snack. Why, why am I going to try and get them to do all of this when all I need to like, can you eat something after training tomorrow? And and do that, you know, at the end of the week and I'll catch up with you on Monday. What? Yeah, what did you have? Like, I had Dan and a couple of rice cakes. Like, how did you feel? Yeah, I felt when I went into the gym in the afternoon I was a bit more energy. Like, yeah, is that good? Like, would you like to keep that going? Like, yeah, I'll keep trying it. And he's like, straight away, you're kind of, right, we're on the same page. I want that snack to change based on the day. I don't want you always having rice cakes. I want you to have something else. Okay. So I have, I have the blueprint, shall we say, and I, I have the end goal. But I think if you show that to someone who's not ready to see it, it creates the ambivalence and the panic and it sets them off the wrong way. Gotcha. Um, so I would have seen that. Like, there's been times where, like I've had guys that come up to me injured and they're like, yeah, I'm injured, so I'm going to probably need a meal plan for the next three weeks. And I'm like, yeah, fucking great, no problem. And I get out my computer and I get out my software and I go, like, what do you like eating? And I do gram for gram and calorie counted and spot on. And I give it to them and you come up to them and like, how do you know? I'm like, no, I didn't do it. I'm like, where is it? I'm like, think it's in my gear bag. It could actually be in my locker in the chamber. Room. <laughs> the fuckers. Yeah. Okay, so then I thought, I wrote many of those out. Yeah. So, okay, so why didn't you do it? Someone might just be like, didn't bother. <laughs> and someone might be like, I don't know. I don't know. And you're like, okay, well, let's forget about it and see what can we do. So, you probably notice I'm always trying to spin a positive. That's probably a naivety thing for myself, and it's probably not always good, but I always look at where's the win? Because the win is going to bring us on to the next thing, you know? So. 
if I'm taking something away, like I'm, I rarely will try and take something out of someone's diet. Mm. If you do take something away, it has to be replaced. Oh, you always find that works. Yeah. Oh, yeah, added stuff, and then that just pushes to show you out. Yeah. And I find it myself, even behavior, even my behaviors, I put in meditation, I put in, that might then push away a little bit of social media. I put in training, that's another thing I'm pushing out, well, I won't have time for going on the gargles. That's a great point you made there, like, oh, like, oh, I need to get rid of my social media, I need to get rid of it. But all of a sudden, I just got cold turkey, and I'm sitting there going, what am I doing? Where's my I gone? Maybe I'll meditate for 20 minutes and yeah, I've got 20 or, minutes less social media that I can look at and go. Or pick up a book about meditation. It's all around change that behavior. I find by bringing things in, like I didn't one day decide I'm just going to go train and not drink and eat shit. I just went training, more training, and I haven't got time for doing other stuff. Yeah. You know, I cut out going to certain things because I was doing either meditation or something that's positive towards me, but I didn't one day go, I'm like, giving this shit up. But even still, from a, like a totally separate to nutrition, I guess, but we're still talking behavior change from that. Like, let's say someone does want to reduce their social media, and you say pick up a book on, on meditation. What what if they read articles on their phone? So if they're on their phone and they've read their articles about meditation, so yeah. they're all social media, but they're still on their phone. But I've had to have this argument before. But, but there's your win. Yeah. And straight away you go, oh, you, you didn't use Instagram for twenty minutes, and you read about that's savage, well done. Yeah. And then you're trying to build the win. Because I look at Twitter. A lot of the stuff I don't be looking at Mary across the flats eating our dinner or looking at our ugly kids or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Shout big, out to Mary. Big up Mary. There's no Mary across there. She's just a figment of my imagination. Them binoculars are on, yeah. They're, they're not real. But anyway, do you know, so it's depending on what you do on it. You know, if you're getting on there and you're reading articles or following people like you, you put daily posts on Instagram which are cooking and all that kind of stuff. But around me is just flicking boy, whatever shit. But if you do follow people and they're talking about meditation or physiology or weight loss, that is beneficial to you. I agree. I get That's so much knowledge from Twitter. 100%. Stuff. So it's not all bad. And you do, yeah. if you're just following fucking, I don't know, uh, Kardashians, then we have a problem. Aaron looks happy over there. He must follow away at the Kardashians. No, we follow nah, them too. You don't do you? No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. He's he's UFC, yeah. Until he dies. Uh, Yeah, so it's about what you... uh, It's about what you use it for, I suppose. Yeah, Come here, we're getting really close to time. We're both all have a bounce. Let's talk strength and conditioning. Everyone has a a strength and conditioning coach. Everyone wants a strength and conditioning coach. Uh, What's your thoughts around that? Um, If I'm being totally honest... In terms of general population, I think strength conditioning at the moment seems to be like like the fitness trend. Yeah, I do too. Every club has a strength conditioning coach. Yeah, and I mean, like, I always ask the question, like, if you're doing some form of training, so are you getting stronger? You should be as a, if you're if you're doing resistance training, you should be getting stronger. If you're not, it's not strength training. Don't get stronger. And I always ask the question with conditioning, like, conditioning you need to be in a condition to perform a certain way. So what, what conditioning are you doing or why are you conditioning? And I think conditioning is just the sexy way of brand branding cardio these days. Yeah. So like people hop on the bike and do 30 minutes low, low intensity to kind of get their heart rate up. And that's great. I'm kind of play some. Like, oh, I just did low intensity conditioning there. Okay. But I suppose the other flip side is like, if, like you were saying earlier, you can get like, you do a set of eight squats, your heart rate goes through the roof. Is there a cardiovascular benefit there? Would you call that squat? Would you call the squats cardio? Not really, but like it's kind of this miss. I think it's a, a catch-all term for, you know, 
oh, I used a sled, but I also did some kettlebells and I did some ropes. In the day, you just use different movements to get your heart rate up and keep it up. Or you could bluff like fuck with it. And there's probably some strength stimulus in there. So you're kind of, I'm, I'm very probably, I wouldn't say I'm old school. I think there's a lot of people that still say the same. Like, when you're doing your strength work, it's strength work. Yeah. When you're doing your speed work, it's speed work. When you're doing your conditioning and your cardiovascular stuff, it's cardiovascular. And it's for a specific thing. I won't give away the person, but I was having this conversation some of the weekend. And I, oh, my mentality is like yours. If you're doing strength work, do your strength work, go home, rest, have some food, and do it maybe, if you want to do it at night, or do it the next day. But if you're doing your cardio work or you're running, you do them separate days. What's your thoughts around that? If you can, ideally, yeah. Um, I think the minimum is to leave um, six hours between them, just due to the signal pathways. So signal pathways. Yeah, if you want to go down the MTOR and the AMPK, we can't, no. Um, <laughs> uh, always trying to do your strength in the morning if you can because you're looking at force production and you don't want to be fatigued when you're trying to produce as much force as possible yeah um if you can separate them at six hours if you can't like if, if you need to go in and get your if you, you're going in before work let's say and you know you want to get your, your your bench and your squats done and you still need to give yourself a blast on a bike or something lift yeah. first and like it, it's not it's not ideal don't get me wrong but we don't live in an ideal world and if you're mm. ticking the two boxes lift first condition yeah. second because I always recommend to people, even the, the classes that I teach, I'd say to them, we'll do the strength work with you. And on the days that you don't do it with me, or whatever, go do some cardio, you know, on your days off. And then you're just, I think you get best bang for buck. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because they don't, they don't really interfere with each other that but way. People, but people want to do it all. They want to lose weight, get bigger, get faster. And uh, the man who hunts two rabbits catches none. Yeah, <laughs> you can't tr- you can't ride three horses with the one arse. Bingo, yeah. There you go. We're, we're whacking out. A lot of the things pull in the euphemisms. Yeah, they pull in separate directions. You got to yeah. pick a direction for a certain period of time. Yeah, right? I just think you have to be specific with your training. I know we be a bit anal sometimes, but it's if you want to do do your strength, like do your a, weight loss, and do your cardio when you when you need it. A, and then within that as well, there's probably a lot of people going doing strength conditioning for maybe teams or maybe groups of athletes that are, you know, just kind of giving them a tough session. Hmm. And that session, if it's in a, you know, periodized plan of progression where it builds into the next one or builds on the previous one, I've no problem with that. If it's a tough session, it's a tough session and people need to be pushed. But if all you're doing is flogging people for the sake of it and it's completely random and it's like, that's to me is not conditioning because it's not preparing them. It's not conditioning to do the, like if, for, for rugby, like if we didn't train them in static exertions and sprints and carries and tackles, like we wouldn't be conditioning them. If all we do was run with them aerobically, they'd be phenomenal. But they might not be able to sprint faster than the, the opposition. They might not be able to tackle as well. So they're not conditioned. They can't meet the demands of the sport, I guess. So. Yeah, you're going sport specific. But I teach a class in the hospital and they just love, they love to throw it all together, get smashed, do weights, do cardio. But in an ideal world and working with teams, you wouldn't do that. Yeah. But that's I, the way I do it is I meet the needs of my customer. That's what they want. Because yeah. if I just done weights, just done strength, they'd be bored it's, like Yeah, fuck. and I guess we're in a, I suppose if we're, the thing is that we're in a privileged position where we're in this kind of environment where we we kind of know that like, okay, look, this isn't, like, the problem with what we do is it's not sexy, I guess. And all, like the nutrition advice I give isn't sexy. I probably won't sell many books. Hmm. Put myself out of a book, yeah. <laughs> um, it probably it's it's not the it's not the hook, it's not the grab, it's not uh, the quick fix, it's not the you know like a lot of the times you won't leave the gym 
on your arse, panting, sweating, vomiting, like, and don't get me wrong, if you do you want that. Yeah, I think that's part of our job is, like, when I worked in the gym in Liverpool, people used to be like, oh, your strength session, yes, last Saturday wasn't tough, wasn't, uh, you know, wasn't really tough or whatever, and I was like, you squatted a new uh, three rent max, you've never squatted 150 before. Yeah, but... You wanted to leave like, sweating. Have you got stronger? Or like, you came to a strength class? Like, yeah. It's so, like, stuff like that. And I think it's our job to educate and, and just kind of change perceptions. And, like, a lot of the, the stuff that works is the boring basics. I think so, too. Savagely well, consistently over a, a long time. Yeah, I've done a session there today with the class, and I've done an upper body, lower body, hands, glutes, and I just kept an all around. It was really good. But I knew at the end that they wanted more. They wanted to leave sweating. So we took out my bands and we went in and done some running. That's what they wanted and that's they're the customer. You know, mm-hmm. they like being sweating, they like coming back to work, they really went through the mill and they're, they're fit as fuck anyway. Yeah. But you but kinda, like if you're trying to sell something you have to get that balance. And I have to I'm give it to them because they love it and they enjoy it. I'm you know? very lucky in the fact that I don't have to sell anything. Mm. I'm, I'm there and there there regardless of whether we like each other or we think mm. the other one's full of shit. That can be good and bad, but I'm not, I don't have to try it and sell anything. There's no gimmicks, and it's bit, it's just like, here's what works, here's what works, here's what works, here's what works. Run it into the ground. You're going to be sick of hearing it. If you hear it from me and you hear it from someone else, and the rugby coach is saying it, it's probably the right thing to do, yeah. and you need to do it more often. And and the one thing about that team is they're all there with the one need, and they're all playing the one sport. When you're running classes in a, in a, in a, in a gym yeah. or what, they're all fitness levels they all want a little bit of everything cardio strengths and I just believe if you give it to them on the day and they leave with that yeah. they're happy customers you know and they you know because I think there's a lot more going on in gyms and classes yeah. than just the stuff that you do on the ground anyway yeah. I love the social part of it and the, being part of the community and so much more like I think if people are just going to classes to lose weight or to like Mr. Uh, Trick and how we said social aspects, learning a new skill like squatting and benching and pull ups and chin ups, like they're skills that you can learn and, and mm. get better at and get stronger with. And you know, seeing your probably people don't track, but like heart rate and stuff, like if you've ever tracked your heart rate and seeing your mm. resting heart rate decrease over a number of weeks, you're, you're getting fitter. Like that's 100%. I love heart rate monitors, yeah, stuff like that. So, another thing I was going to touch on is like, I've seen a lot lately is uh. This idea behind people like, oh, I need to change my body, how I look, or whatever, and they just smash themselves and endless amounts of exercise. And you're like, oh, use exercise as kind of a, a tool to kind of get out there and move around and feel good about yourself and show what your body can do, and use your nutrition to take care of all the stuff, the fat loss stuff and the muscle building stuff and that like. So I had this argument with KC back in 2010, where I used to say that that nutrition is 80 percent, 85 percent of weight loss. And exercise is a really small part and we argued over I can't remember what he said at the time but I was adamant that that's what it was through experiential experience and then through working with people I think exercise is really small it's really beneficial and it's complementary part of the system it keeps you on check it keeps behaviours keeps you accountable mm. but actual bang for buck and yeah. nutrition is the is, well, the, like, is the dog's bollocks I agree because like if you think about exercise feeds into that calorie balance equation, energy and energy out, so it increases your energy out. Mm-hmm. If that energy out isn't enough to put you in a deficit, you won't see any kind of changes in body mass. So like one of the things like we've got, I've seen it happen where people go and they try to do fast and cardio because if they believe it burns more fat, 
uh, or causes more fat loss and you kind of sit on a bike for 40 minutes and keep the legs ticking over at a fat burning pace or whatever if you put a heart rate monitor on them they'll probably burn like 100 120 calories maybe mm. you're like well what if you just didn't eat the mars bar which is 250 calories mm. so you've created a calorie deficit by, yeah. by not putting something in yeah, yeah, you don't yeah. need to get up at six in the morning and get on the bike for forty minutes and feel like you can save yourself a lot of energy. I trained, I done a, a little bit of an experiment there a couple of years, and I explained to someone this this my point, and I said I'm gonna train one one day a week for something like ten weeks or something, and I lost something like nine kilo. I just cut my calories down to whatever I can't remember what it was, but I only trained once a week, and I dropped nine kilos. I felt and looked like a bag of shit. I'd say you did, yeah. Yeah, like I did. All of them was one weight training session. Are you in the middle of that now, or? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> we'll leave it on that bombshell, shall we? Uh, we can't leave it without me asking. What's the one thing you'd like people to take away from this interview? Wouldn't uh, that I look like a bag of shit? <laughs> Aaron, I can't believe you're standing there letting them say this about me. Uh, you're meant to be the muscle. <laughs> uh, one thing. He's uh, only the looks. He's only the eye candy of the podcast. I'd say if you can, if you're if you're someone who's looking to change something about their daily life, whether it's nutrition or training or meditation or something, find find what the end goal for you is and work back from that. And what are all the steps that are going to get you there? And win the first step. And if you get that win, the momentum will take care of itself. And within that, I've, I've, we talked about this previously as well. It's the X's model. So if you line up on your calendar. Uh, oh, I love this. So you put the seven days, I think it was a seven by seven chart. If you put up a, a grid and you you highlight one habit you want to get better at and you put an X in that grid every time you've done that habit. So it could be, I want to eat, you know, instead of having Coke Box for breakfast, I want to have poached egg on toast or something. Every time you do that, put an X in the box and the visual cue of seeing all those Xs, you're, you're building this chain and you don't want to break the chain. and it's kind of another thing because when we when we change one thing, we kind of go, the scale hasn't changed, or the, the weight loss hasn't come yet. And you're like, look at look at all, look what you've actually done. So it's another way of visualizing your progress. Oh, so I would say, look to the end, start with the end in mind, and work back, win the first step, and in order to keep yourself on, tick it off as you go because the dopamine hit you get from ticking something off and seeing progress is going to keep you motivated to continue. Fantastic. Nice one, bro. Uh, and, and I got an old compliment at the end of that. I love it. Got to keep the ego in check. Uh, Richard Kelly, I'm absolutely honoured to get you back on again. Thanks very much for your time the first time. Thanks very much for your time the second time. I really appreciate that. And I hope people got what I got out of it. Was loads of knowledge, loads of stick. <laughs> and uh, yeah, thanks very much. I really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me back.